Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 209. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. Richard Ryerson here. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the show. So happy that you're here. You know, this is the show where we talk about leadership. We bring people on the show to talk about the topic that's central to every aspect of our life. Everything rises and falls with leadership. I mean, everything literally does, and so that's why we talk about it here. We bring on people to talk about how they deal with it. It's a common-sense-based approach. It's not about a larger-than-life personality. It's not about charisma. It's about adding value to somebody else's life. I mean, the reality is all of us out there, somebody, regardless of our position, regardless of our title, somebody is looking to us for influence and guidance. So it's in our best interest to do everything we can to learn about leadership, and hopefully this show can help you in the journey. That is its mission as we break down in a nice conversational common sense style, get to the heart of leadership and what makes people leaders, what they struggle with. All right, the guest today is Daryl Lyons. What a great guest. I really love this conversation. Um, He has a book called Small Business, Big Pressure. It's a faith-based approach uh, and guide for the ambitious entrepreneur. Daryl Lyons is the co-founder and CEO of Pax Financial Group. And in in addition to being a successful small business entrepreneur, he also founded the radio show Financial Mythbusters. You know, he's passionate about small business. You know, it is what makes our country great. You know, but he writes about the challenges that that face the entrepreneur, how overwhelming it is. He's got a great story about how he just, you know, he didn't know how he was going to make it. He took the leap. It's very scary for him. And I love his kind of out of the mud story, as I say. You know, the whole reason why I wrote the book is because business schools don't prepare an owner for the real world, and so every single entrepreneur will experience this worry, this pressure, and he talks about it in this interview, and he talks about it in this great book, Small Business, Big Pressure. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, Without further ado, here's Daryl Lyons on Dose of Leadership. Well, Daryl, so excited to have you here. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of the show today. Yeah, I'm anxious to learn more about you. You're in one of my favorite cities, San Antonio. We were talking before the recording. I used to live in Corpus, and we used to make it to San Antonio as much as possible. So I, what a great city. Well, I, I got to tell you, it's a little bit of a gem. Uh, I just got an article from um, one of the journals here, and the question was, is San Antonio growing too fast? And it's really right now to be a small business owner in this city. It's it's really a special place. Yeah, you know, I, I always liked. Um, you know, it's easy to get around. It's a big city, but man, there's so much. Especially if you go downtown by the river. It's just what a great place to hang out. So lucky you. And the Spurs, right? And the Spurs. Oh my gosh, <laughs> how can you forget that? Well, gosh, I'm excited to learn more about you. You know. Um, you're passionate about entrepreneurship, and you're passionate about tying your business with a faith-based approach. So tell us a little bit more about what makes Daryl tick. I mean, what what are you all about? So, you know, I, I really enjoy small business. And what, what really, I got to tell you, it, it, it started real deep and young. When I was a young kid, uh, my dad was very successful in the 80s, and he had a, a Marlboro in his lip and, a, and one of those Burt Reynolds mustaches. <laughs> right. And he was uh, climbing the corporate ladder, 
and making a lot of money. We had cars and boats and things like that. And he put his key in the door one day and it didn't work. And um, he called the building manager. They said, you're out. Uh, corporate said, you're done. And after that, we just struggled really our whole entire life financially. Wow. And it, and it was weird because I reflect on that. And that was a time in my life that I manufactured a belief that I would never work for someone again. And it's always been with me. And I've been very focused on that because I always blamed that broken key on uh, the struggles that we had financially. And and, um, and and so my passion is really not only to be a leader of a small business, but to lead other small businesses. So it's interesting. So your dad was, you know, kind of the quintessential American from what you're kind of painting the picture from the 70s and the 80s. And here he was, the strong man, and, he, and corporate just kind of cut him loose. And, and that was it, huh? I mean, that was the genesis of you kind of becoming an entrepreneur? It really was, yeah, and uh, he was doing very well. And you know, my 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 family doesn't come from a, a a legacy of money, and we're doing pretty good now. My my little family in San Antonio, Texas, and some people assume because we're doing okay that, you know, I had a trust fund. But uh, the reality is, is mom and dad had an eighth grade education, and so as he was climbing the ladder, and eighty seven happened with the SNL crisis. Uh, it was tough for him to find work again, and he's one of the hardest working men you'll meet, but. Uh, I just, you know, I just refuse to let a, a corporate entity dictate my uh, family and my own personal lifestyle. So you graduate high school. Do you go to college? I did. Yeah, I ended up, uh, you know, by the grace of God, ended up getting an academic scholarship to a university in San Antonio and got a degree in accounting and another one in finance. So was the dream at that point to be an accountant or were you still like, I'm going to be my own boss, even at, even going through college? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I n- never stopped be- believe in being my own boss. I just, I knew I needed to have a trade and one that, um, one that, that fit my skill set. So I was trying to find myself and my skill sets and I, I had an affinity towards business. Uh, I had one, uh, a stock market game in undergraduate and got a little award there and I tutored others in accounting. And, and so I, when I had a trade, it was at that point, how do I, how do I start my business? And, and ultimately the best thing for me, and I think for many people is to, to get a around other successful people. So I did work for corporate America for a stint before I felt comfortable bailing out on my own. But the dream was always there. It was always in the back of your mind saying, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I would consider it a fire. I mean, it was constant. And it probably nagged all those people that were trying to mentor me and groom me to be the corporate guy and and end up on Wall Street or Chicago or New York. And, and, and the, the numbers and the dollars never fired me up. And that was probably frustrating a lot of people because that was a motivator. But for me, it was creating an autonomous environment. And so if I couldn't do that in the corporate structure, uh, I was going to find a way out. What year was this? So I graduated uh, college in, in 99. And then I stayed in the corporate world. I was partner of the year for a big Fortune 100 company for about uh, six or seven years. And then one day, this is kind of crazy. I just woke up and said, I'm done. And I had dropped my... Um, I had a really good salary. Uh, my wife quit her teaching job, and we started a business. and And uh, she, I, I had a little BMW convertible, and we sold that. We went down to one car. She would drop me off at work and pick me up. And we had a one year old child, and we were uh, really struggling financially. But it, it was a dream, and and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna not do this. Take me back to that. What was the dream at that point when you when you made that, you made that final leap? You counted to three and you jumped. What what was the dream? Yeah, it was just to just to have my own business. I just did kind of is kind of one of those child 
uh, childhood desires that was developed at a young age. And so uh, I just couldn't let go of it. It was a fire of starting my own business and I could not put it out. And I was reading books and, and uh, I read a book called Tested in the Trenches, which was a great book by a guy named Ron Carson. He laid out all the practical steps of running a small business and I thought, I can do this. So I quit and um, and that first year was one of the biggest money struggles ever. As a matter of fact, I remember um, because my wife, uh, we had separate cars, I remember going to the office one morning at 4.30 in the morning because I was just trying to work myself out of financial struggles and I put my key in the door to get there because no one's there at 4.30 in the morning and it didn't work. Mm. And I would never forget that feeling saying, oh no, it's happening. And <laughs> So I sat in my car and and uh, and and literally just cried, and you know had a conversation with God, right? So God, you know what are you doing? I'm I'm a good guy. I'm working hard. I'm trying, but here we go again. I'm gonna end up in a trailer park again, and you know all those feelings. And so, but I do remember not God talking to me audibly or verbally, uh, but it was like an imprint in my conscience, mm-hmm. and uh, it said, "Are you?" Uh, put your money where your mouth is, and so what I what that meant to me was um, I had I had been giving um, whenever it was convenient, and at that moment I made a commitment to God that I trusted Him so much with my finances I would give Him the first fruits of whatever I made, no matter how broke or how rich. And I made a decision right then and there. And what's interesting about that is that from that point forward, I, I, yes, I made more money. That was kind of like the bottom. But I, I also worried much less, and I made a commitment to give that hasn't stopped today. So even though it was a bad place, it ended up being very good for a long time. Was that your real out-of-the-mud moment? Was that the, was, I mean, I'm sure there were other fearful and, and doubt and limiting beliefs came from there. But was that, was that the real out-of-the-mud moment when things started to turn around? It was a big one. Uh, you know, I, I always say that there's rooms in my house that— God's willing to clean, and I'm just not willing to open the door and let him in yet. And that was, finance was uh, certainly the stronghold that I often held on to um, because, you know, just money, and I know many people do, it's just money is that way. And I made a commitment then, but there were still many other areas of fear that I had to deal with over the next five or six years. And, and so that was clearly one of them, but, but I'd say there was probably a handful more as well. Why, why do we struggle and even if and this goes to people even if they don't even believe in God or not it's still the same I, I'm a strong believer I believe in God like you but I'm a strong and I believe that um, when something is put on your heart it's almost like an obligation that you have to see it through and the the more fearful you are or the more strong the calling is the more aligned with the purpose what you're supposed to be doing then the stronger that resistance is going to be and if you work through it through faith, through um, persistence and tenacity, something magical is going to happen on the other side. But you you said something interesting there about where, you know, you were just, you were working hard and the, the, um, you didn't, you didn't say the word panic, but I just pictured in your mind, what am I doing wrong? You know, and you're just working harder. And it's like when the stronger you try to control it, the worse it seems to get. And the moment you try to kind of go through with faith a little bit and tie it into what your purpose is, um, a calmness comes over you, right? I mean, that was what your conversation with God. I guess my point is, what I'm my long-winded kind of half question is, we need to just kind of let go and trust our um, trust God and trust our inner voice on what we should be doing. Is that correct? Yeah, you're a very good listener because uh, I was thinking, did I say that? And you're right. I it was a time of panic, and and you heard the words without me saying them, and. Uh, 
and and I think we get to that point. Either, either we're we're in that season where we're about you know we're, we're about to hit the bottom, or we hit the bottom, and and we try to pacify it many times with um, you know with um, alcohol or 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 you know working out or some some other thing but it just pacifies it for a moment you know i used to watch comedies and that would pacify the pain for a little bit but but you're right you know that that panic requires us to dig deeper and uh it's when we dig deeper that we can push through it yeah you know and the closer you get you know it's, it's funny the friend of mine was talking to a, a world war ii vet he was a, a pilot and uh, I remember he was telling me the story. He said, "What?" And we were just talking about, "Oh, tell us about what it was like to, you know, all those bombing runs in Germany and everything." And he says, "How did you know you were getting close?" He says, "It was real easy. We we, we were getting shot at more, you know." And it's kind of the same. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, duh, yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with us when we're about to make that breakthrough, that resistance. And you you know, if you're a believer, it's it's Satan, the resistance. If you're a non-believer, whatever, it's it's real resistance. And it's the closer you get to that breakthrough, the, the, the harder or the stronger and the more um, tenacious that resistance is. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's been really interesting because um, with launching the book, the book was my latest endeavor. Uh, in the business, we've had different endeavors and some of them have failed and, and some of them have been successful. But but l- the latest endeavor I had was the book and, and there was so much resistance to the book and just different things that happened. But there was also some... Uh, low-hanging fruit that came along the way that I never planned to happen. Um, for example, uh, I was, you know, just trying to get the message out that you know I wrote a book and and I was passionate about the content. And I get a call from a pastor, and he says, "I want to put you on stage and 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 tell everyone about your story, and and you'll be in front of thirty thousand people, um, and that's tomorrow night. Are you ready?" <laughs> and and I got to tell you, I could have never planned that. I could have never. Um, orchestrated that. That was simply in the midst of that moment that I was feeling kind of discouraged about the momentum. All of a sudden, God in his infinite wisdom gave me uh, just some light that really encouraged me. And so I don't understand kind of those spiritual ups and downs necessarily, but what I do understand is I just trust that it'll work out for good, and and I just participate as much as possible and have that awareness that um, that there's something out there that's bigger than me. Yeah, you know, I came to think that the awareness is kind of tied to actually doing the work. And again, I use that kind of resistance or that fear as a compass, if you will, as um, this is what I should be focused on. And uh, I'm not talking about fear of like, um, I'm about to be attacked by a bunch of wolves. That's fear for my life, you know, fight or flight. I'm talking about that inner fear, that voice telling me I don't belong in this space, right? Which is what you bit, you still battle with. We all battle with as entrepreneurs, particularly. Yeah, I, I'll actually share one other story if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, it was about five years ago, and I was with my um, wife and daughter and son, and and at that time I had two kids, and my wife was pregnant with our third, and I was. Um, my wife wasn't feeling that good, so I asked her to just stay home, and I was going to go get some groceries, and she stayed home with my son, and I took my daughter, who's two, and we drove up the road to the grocery store in my SUV, and it was a beautiful day. It was February, and um, she asked to roll down the windows to feel the wind, and we rolled down the windows, and she, uh, not long after that, kicked with her foot the electronic up button and had her finger wedged between the window and the frame. Oh, no. And... Um, and I was going to knock it out with my fist, but I, 
I, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't figure out how to get it down. Finally, she released it, but she had severed her finger. Oh, man. And there's blood all over her princess dress. And so I rushed over to the hospital and it was just a couple miles away. And my wife gets there. And um, fortunately, we, they, the doctor successfully reattached her finger, obviously not without fear and pain. But um, that night, my wife lost the baby. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And um, in, in the middle of all that, um, you know, your identity as a man uh, starts to fade and you, you scratch and search for some hope. Uh, business was, you know, having some ups and downs. And so uh, you're just struggling and I was struggling. And so it was in that moment I, um, I sought out counsel a little older than me, um, somebody that had gray hair. Somebody read the Bible a little bit. I just needed, you know, just, just searching. And I knew a few scriptures here and there, but um, but this guy, I felt, was wise. You know, there's just some of these men out there and women out there that are just wise. So in Texas, we have breakfast tacos, so I had a breakfast taco with him. And um, I said, Bill, his name's Bill Loveless. I said, Bill, here's the situation. And there was much more going on um, in that season. And um, I said, how do I fix it? You know, I need 10 steps to fix this thing. You know, you know, there's these books about five steps to get better and 10 steps to be a better husband. And I need the, the steps. And, and I don't remember what, God, what he said, but I remember what God said again uh, through him. Are you done yet? Are you done living the life that I never intended you to live to carry all these burdens and all these worries and all the anxieties? I know you're motivated because you want to uh, do something great for your family that you didn't have, but all these burdens you're carrying are going to break you, and and I'm here to carry those burdens for you. And and I remember that sense of relief I had when I finally said, you know what, I'm really going to trust God, not with just one room here and there, but really with with every moment, just moment by moment dependence upon Him. And when I made that decision about five years ago, I got to tell you, it was transforming not just for me personally, but as a leader of a company. Um, the business started to blossom because it wasn't being led by somebody who was living every moment in fear, but it was living, being led by me. But at that time, I started to transform my attitude of one of, a, of patience and kindness. And um, the fruits there, I mean, we became one of the best places to work in, in San Antonio. We were number two in the small business category simply because uh, I started to live more abundantly and, and not in fear. And so the, it, there's a real hindrance on our life uh, when we're living in fear moment by moment. And the alternative is simply to, to be dependent upon God. And so that's what drives me today. Yeah, no, I love that story. And I love that example. And it goes to that point that I was trying to trying to articulate. You're absolutely right that the moment, and I think this is true of anybody that creates anything. And, and I do think God put us here to create. And you can, it's either writing a book, starting a business, a family, whatever, anything, all of it, the cre- there's a creation piece. And we put that, like you said, the burden on ourself, and it's so heavy when we look at it, it's like, this is impossible, I can't do. But everybody who's created something of significance, and you really get to, and you talk to them, and like, how did this come through? And I don't care if it's a great piece of art, music, a business. If they really are honest about it, they realize it didn't come from them. Does that make sense? It doesn't it, come yeah. from them. You're the vehicle to, I mean, I don't know, it's hard to explain. And I was talking to a guy the other day about this, even when we speak, and it's just little things. But I mean, when you're really hitting it on all cylinders, I don't care what you're doing, when you're in that creation mode, again, business, uh, art, music, family, whatever the case may be, you're really in the groove. You know it's not coming from you. It comes from a different place. That's kind of what I heard when you were t- when you were saying that story. Does that resonate with you at all? Well, absolutely. Uh, I always I always say that I'm just a PVC pipe um, <laughs> right. that is just being a conduit for God's wisdom. 
And I don't, I have very little wisdom in and of myself, but uh, God provides all the wisdom. I just want to be able to participate with Him and and let the overflow of wisdom or joy be for other people. And so, I think also the attitude, just for those that maybe are listening, that you know, saying this God stuff is not for them. Um, I think even then, you know, appreciating that it's not necessarily um, something that we manufacture is a, an element of humility that is good and healthy long term. And so I always like to have that element of humility and I like to see it in other people. So even from a practical perspective, I think just identifying that it's not necessarily from me is is healthy uh, because it minimizes pride, which is yeah, good you point. know the beginning of most downfalls anyways. Absolutely, absolutely right. You know, and I was have you ever read much of Stephen Pressfield before? I always I haven't. I, I no, talk about him much. a lot. I'm really in the book um, I've talked about it on many episodes here, but The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, yeah. I, I highly I, encourage you to check it out, and all the listeners to check it out, too, because he talks about that, and he believes in God, too, and he, a lot of what we're talking about here, he, he hits upon in the book, and there's a section there, and he takes a quote from um, a guy named W.H. Murray, who wrote this thing about the Scottish Himalayan expedition, and again, it, this is a guy that was a, a mountain climber uh, pre-World War II, and then he's fighting for the Allies, got captured early on, spent most of the war in a German POW camp, never thought he was going to climb again. He started climbing again in the early 50s, and he wrote this book. And anyway, the point of it is, is he talks about that when you really commit yourself and you finally sit down, despite all the, the limiting fears, the doubt, the fear, all that stuff, when you totally commit yourself and don't listen to that anymore, then providence moves with you at the same time. And all sorts of things start to happen that would not otherwise have occurred, you know, like uh, all sorts of things that you just can't even imagine and uh, or even dreamed of. And I just think that's that's kind of tied into what you're talking about there. When you finally let go, take the chokehold off of it and have faith, then things start to happen. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny how powerful, and I say funny for lack of a better word, but um, that fear is is really the inhibitor of really all of our capacity, and and, uh, and I think the acknowledgement that how powerful it is is a really good first step, and then an acknowledgement that at least for me, and I, I'm of the opinion that for everyone, <laughs> that uh, uh, God is the antidote uh, to fear, and and when we if we look at the original text for antidote, it really doesn't mean like against, it really means in replace of, right. So I think that uh, we have to replace fear with something greater than fear, and um, and and I and I think when people recognize that there is something greater than fear that they can lean on, uh, special things happen. Well, you know, we talked about even in I've said on this show too, and talked a lot of people about the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is so instrumental in my leadership style and what we talk about, and even how I even approach entrepreneurship and business and life. It was one of the most loving organizations that I. Worked in and, and it goes down to that fact when a lot of times what the Marine Corps has to do in the sense, and we, you and I were talking about the, the Iwo Jima Marines that we know, mm-hmm. and t- the ultimate fear that you and I have never even experienced, you can, as you can imagine, that those guys on Iwo Jima, but even when I was talking to my, my friend who was on Iwo Jima, you know, so many years ago, that he, um, I said, what was the greatest lesson you learned and through all that kind of frightful things? And he said, the biggest thing was love. I learned how to love another human being deeper than I ever thought possible. And that's actually the antidote, which is God, by the way. The antidote <laughs> towards fear is love. That is the antidote towards it. And it's, you know, resistance feeds on the fear. And so the replacement of that is love. And everything you're talking about there, 
if they're running a business or whatever it is, it's it's it has to be love. I don't know what. How does that resonate with you? Well, it, it it's it. I think it resonates with um, pretty much everyone because I think everyone says, you know, I can buy into the love thing, right? And so, um, it, it, to me, that's complete truth. And so, again, we we're 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 often scared to say this is truth and this is not truth because then we you know pigeonhole ourselves but you know north is north and it's always going to be north right. and 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 as far as i'm concerned uh that what you said is true um love which is god supersedes fear and it's amazing what we could do if our if our fear was suppressed and and i get it there's moments man where you know, in the midst of the battle and the and, and the Iwo Jima, I can't imagine. And I had mentioned before the show that my grandfather had fought there at 16, and I can't imagine. I remember one story. He told me a a bullet hit him in the helmet, and then uh, and then it 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 kind of crawled down his back, and he was more concerned about the hot metal rolling down his back. Uh, yeah, but in then the midst a bullet of, hit him in the head, right? <laughs> in the midst of the battle, I can't imagine that. But I got to tell you, in the midst of the battle of life, this. Uh, mental anxiety and fear—that's uh, very real too, and it could put somebody in a fetal position Absolutely. real quickly. And so I don't—I want to recognize that that's that's so difficult and so painful. But there is hope in the midst of that, and 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 and, and God really wants to participate with the entrepreneur, and that's where my heart is to do great and creative things. And He can do that if we trust Him. Yeah, I love it. Um, but if we live in fear, it's very difficult for. Uh, for for that um, abundant life to happen. Yeah, I love that you said that. You know, and, and for me, what helps me, and there are a couple things I think people should, or I've come to realize late in life, is that the fear doesn't go away. I mean, well, it it does temporarily, but every it's an everyday battle. It's not mm-hmm. like you hit it, you cross a delineation point and said, "No more fear in my life." Right? It's an yeah. it's every day you got to square up your feet, square up your shoulders, and be ready to slay that dragon every single day because it's going to be there. And I think if you can accept, number one, that it's always going to be there, and I think that if you can accept that, if there's massive resistance or massive fear, you can almost look at that as good news because if that's there, then you know that there's tremendous love there too. That's just the – once I started looking at it that way, I became comfortable with the chaos, I guess. Yeah, that's that's great, and 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 I hate to go through those seasons, but you're, we all you're do, absolutely right? right. Yeah, we all hate to go through them, but I think there's no way of avoiding it. I guess, and I think right. that if 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 you know you have to square up, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. In fact, you can. I guess the way I look at it is like you can go through the end of the day, and you can say, "Yep." I slayed the dragon today, and you can be proud of that, and you can be happy with that, and you can take solace and peace and look around and tuck the kids in and kiss the wife and be thankful for all the blessings. And I mean, you know that because you've had those successes, right? And then the next day, all of a sudden it's just, wow, why am I so afraid? Why am I in this place? And I think if you can get to the point where that's just normal, I guess, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it is. And and that's why I kind of, uh, and I talk about it more and more now, uh, that moment by moment dependence Right. Um, because I, I, I've read a lot of books like you, and, and there's, again, a lot of good literature. I, I'd like to think that my book's a pretty good book, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of checklists of how to live life and how to make it a better day, a better week, a better month, better year, but it's in the moment that really matters. And so I talk a lot about just breaking it down to that in this moment right now that I'm breathing in, my, in this breath right now, I'm going to trust God. And, and in that simplicity, that resonates a lot with me. I like that because there is 
there is the simplicity of it. You're absolutely right. Uh, so what about the book, Small Business, Big Pressure? Let's talk about that. What is the genesis behind that, and, and what can we expect from it? So as I said earlier, we were getting some recognition, one of the best places to work, and, and we have um, had a good rapport with several large organizations across the country, one being Dave Ramsey's uh, group out of Nashville. And so many people in the, in the U.S. and, and re, in San Antonio were calling me and my team to just get ideas, and it could be ideas on operations or hiring or, or leadership. And um, I started fielding these questions pretty regularly, and I decided to teach classes to the community for free, and the classes would fill up. And, and, and then I, after a few classes, I looked at the content of material in front of me, and I said, you know, I've got a book here. So I started writing, and, and I really enjoyed the writing process. And, and because I don't play golf, that was kind of my outlet. And right. uh, I, uh, I, I just wrote for a year, uh, found an editor. She helped me put the commas all in the right place. Um, I had a, a handful of people like Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and David Robinson give me a favorable endorsements of the book. And, um, and the, the, the product is a product I'm really proud of. And it's one that wrestles with these issues that small businesses uh, deal with of fear, but also puts in practical applications to you know, have a mission statement, uh, have a vision statement, how to set goals, how to look at your cash flow. And, and I think that that uh, type of content was, was missing uh, for me and the people I was speaking with. So uh, I was really happy to put it together. So it's a playbook essentially about how you did it and how we can kind of apply the same steps, right? That's exactly right. And it, at first, all it was was a playbook. And then I had somebody close to me read it and said, you know, your faith is stronger than the way you sprinkle God in here. And so I decided to sit down and 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 um, authentically put my faith and weave it in there um, a lot more. And that was difficult at first because I felt that there was an element of uh, vulnerability, vulnerability putting myself out there. But uh, I, I went ahead and did it, and I'm very comfortable because um, many people who read it resonate with the, the stories because there's a lot of stories in there and uh, the message of hope in God as a small business owner. I love it. I, again, I love that you put – I'm glad you went back and, and took the chance to be vulnerable because that's where you're going to get the most um – I guess resonance from from your listeners and your and your readers, because uh, let's face it, man. There's too much kind of plastic banana phony baloney stuff out there, and so I think the you know authenticity and vulnerability, I think, is is the new currency, and I wish more people saw that. It's still difficult, but uh, you know you're right. I've, I've enjoyed you know hearing from other people and um, and realizing that you know them kind of not alone here so that's <laughs> right. been that's been fun well congratulations on that and uh it sounds Thank like you. a great book and uh, i look forward to reading it how can people get in touch with you and uh, learn more about you you've got the book you've got a blog um how can people find you yeah so you can go to amazon and get the book that's small business big pressure and um and then you can also go to smallbusinessbigpressure.com and you can uh, contact me that way and see some of the resources there. You know, I'm still a small business owner, so what I do with my book is is uh, is not as full-time as some authors, but um, I think they'll be able to get enough content on the website. And then again, if they need more, they can contact me and uh, be happy to communicate with your, with your audience. Yeah, nice, clean website, real easy to navigate, and great content too, you know, reading your blog and, and preparing for this interview. A lot of great uh, 
resources out there for anybody who's starting a business, and particularly if you want to tie faith uh, into your business, this is a, a really good uh, good site. And uh, I'm again, I'm excited to read this book. This is right up my alley. Good. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Fun last question. I always like to ask my guests here. If you had the kind of the moment to have this like most fantastic, unforgettable night, and you could invite five people to uh, the ultimate dinner party, alive or dead, who would those five people be? Oh, that's great. Well, um, I'm not going to say Jesus because that's an easy one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will say, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, David Robinson. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I've just admired him over the years. Uh, some people might not like this, but I've always liked George W. Um, I would I would invite him, and it's maybe it's because I'm a Texas guy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Dave Ramsey, somebody who I'd, I'd love choice. to have. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and uh, Max Lucado, who's my pastor oh, of my love, church, love Max Lucado. Yeah. Oh, he is he really? And, He's your pastor? Yeah, Lucky yeah. You. I had dinner with him the other night. As a matter of fact, great guy. And um, and then I'd have to have my wife. It's just. Oh, uh, uh, there you go. Well, couldn't couldn't have that much fun without her. <laughs> right. Well, great great choice. Let me say about George W. And I've, I've interviewed Dana Prino and and uh, Eric Draper, who was his personal photographer for eight uh-huh. years. I don't know if you knew this or not, but. Um, and Eric Draper was there during all the major events. You know, this kid from South Central Los Angeles didn't have any interest in politics and ended up being his official photographer for eight years. Wow. And his, his interviews on this podcast, shameless plug. But but what I learned from that, when I, I was talking to him, what did you learn? He said that the thing that people don't know about him is that he knew everybody's name and their family's name. It didn't matter who it was, if it was the gardener, if it was the cook. He knew everybody's name and he knew their family's name and took the time to say hello to everybody. And it's just, I think that was the other thing too, is that he was always the first one at the meeting, never late. And um, he thought he was the smartest guy in the room all the time. Kind of a different <laughs> picture of what everybody with the press paints on him, you know? So, but uh, I believe it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a just, W fan I, too. What did you say? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a W fan too. I think he, I think he's mislabeled and misrepresented by far. His book was real good, by the way. Yeah, it was. Oh, man, what's a fun conversation. I look forward to meeting you someday since you're so close. We need to, uh, I'd love to collaborate with you somehow. I don't know what it would look like, but um, I'm here at Dose of Leadership. You're always got a welcome home and anything we can do to support you and small business, big pressure. Uh, always know you got a welcome home here. Hey, well, I appreciate it. It's very conversational. I, I enjoyed it. You have a, you, you do have a curiosity in people like you had mentioned uh, before the show and that, and I can tell. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show. You got it. Thanks. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.